we thought what would uh, be helpful is to just maybe sit down and have um, just a little bit of a conversation. I know this is a little bit different, but um, I, I want to go back to where we sort of started and then um, just ask a couple of questions. So, so I started with this before I introduced Michaela in James chapter 1. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And one of the things that uh, is, is prominent throughout the biblical text is this idea of God creating families. If you think about, uh, he first started off with, with Abram, who later becomes Abraham, and his whole, God's whole mission was to create one big happy family. And so one of the things that's important for us uh, as a church is, and we talked about this maybe a couple months ago, is our vision is to help people build their faith. But then the second part of that is to help people belong to a family. And so um, adoption and foster care is, we believe, a part of that process of us being able to, as Christians, sort of take the principles that God has of creating a big, happy family and being the arms and legs and the feet in hands of Jesus and helping people to find a place in a family. And so I, I, w I was very um, moved by your story. And so I, I, I wanted to ask you this, um, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot because it's not like <laughs> the questions that we agreed on, but I want to ask you this. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> it's okay. Um, What, to, to what extent did the church or other Christians play a part in um, your healing process and your development, uh, considering all that you had been through and all that you shared uh, in your story? That's a great question. Um, actually, in my childhood, we went to church off and on. Um, actually found church to be a safe place for me. Um, I used to walk to church, actually, um, just because I wanted to be there um, where I felt safe and loved, and um, it was fun, you know, in youth group and stuff, it's fun. Um, and when I entered foster care, I actually lived in a um, group home-style place that was a Christian base, very similar to Children's Village in Alabama, and um, we went to church, and I got very involved, and, um, you know, really just learning even more about the Lord, and it was it was always ingrained, um, and obviously those house parents and the church that we are a part of are really um, vital in, in my growing and my faith. And um, my husband actually met him um, in high school. He played in the youth band. Um, thought he was so cute, you know. But um, <laughs> So it was just all intertwined. And, um, yeah, the church was, was huge for us. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of the things that I truly believe uh, is you know if we look at what what God's model is and what God's purpose and plan in the world is is to you know even if you look at the New Testament there's lots of language about the fact that God adopts us into His family, yeah. right? Um, so we know that Jesus was Jewish and He started off reaching the children of Israel, and then He offers this to those of us who are non-Jewish Gentiles, as the Bible would call them. And there's so much language in the New Testament about us being adopted, and so. One of the reason I ask that is because I really believe that, you know, if we carry that imagery and we really take seriously the imagery that God adopts us when we were, we were spiritually orphaned, that the church actually has a tremendous uh, influence and ability to be an impact 
Uh, and so that's something that, you know, I was interested in, in knowing how, how did that kind of help shape you from coming out of a very traumatic childhood and having that, that to support you. And so I'll, I'll say this before I ask uh, the next question. As you're thinking about uh, Big Give and being generous, to, to think in terms of the fact that uh, the local church has a tremendous amount of influence and the ability to, to do what was done for Michaela and to be able to help bring children out of traumatic experiences and to be the local church, I believe this, uh, there's nothing like it. And when it's working right, it can help to fix a lot of wrong that's in the world. And so I want you to, to all to consider that uh, as we're thinking about giving uh, this year. So let me ask you this, uh, for those like myself, I'm not uh, intimately uh, knowledgeable about foster care. And so can you just share with the congregation, what is the goal of foster care? That's a great question. Um, so the goal is obviously to provide safety, well-being, and permanency to the kids that we serve. Permanency typically means reunifying the children with their birth parents. Sometimes that's not possible. So sometimes, you know, children's, uh, their parents' rights are terminated or surrendered. And so we do want to find permanency for those kids. And I'm glad you brought up adoption because I failed to mention when I was sharing a little bit about the stats for foster care, just in the United States alone from foster care, there's 125,000, over 125,000 kids waiting to be adopted mm. by their forever family. Um, and so that number just like crazy wild. And there's a lot of misconceptions about the cost for adoption when it comes to foster care. There's little to no cost. Um, and oftentimes they're are providing you a monthly subsidy to keep those kids even after they're adopted because they're they they need these kids to find their home so um but anyways um so goal is reunification with their birth parents and you might be thinking why reunification if these parents abused or neglected them um well we know number one poverty leads to neglect and so um you know these behaviors that these parents are exhibiting can be changed, they can be trained, they can be equipped. A lot of the birth parents that we serve now, they were in foster care when they were kids. Mm -hmm. And so they're just repeating the cycle, they're repeating their normal, what they learned. Um, and so those parental protective capacities can be taught. And so we want, we need more partnership parents to partner alongside these birth parents and mentor for them what it looks like to meet these children's needs, to um, discipline appropriately and all that. So yeah. that's the goal. Thank you. So um, for those who may be interested in, let's talk a little bit more specifically about Crossroads. Um, what type of services does Crossroads offer to the foster or adoptive parents uh, and children that you serve? Because I imagine that uh, it's, it's a bigger task than just placing the children, that it needs to be some support for the parents, the adoptive or the foster parents. So what, what type of services do you offer those parents? Yeah, definitely. Um, so obviously we, you know, we're here to make sure that the children stay safe. So we're in the home at, at least every other week or we're visiting with the kids every other week to make sure that they're safe and to make sure foster parents are, you know, not going crazy um, with three more kids or whatever. Um, and we're in constant contact, but we're on call 24-7, and we actually mean that. We will answer the phone. If for some reason I'm in REM sleep, then you can call, you know, the, you know, our caseworkers who are just amazing. Um, we're on call 24-7. We actually started a support group this fall that's a, a monthly thing, and so foster parents can get together 
share any concerns they're having, dis you know, discipline techniques, um, venting, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we, we actually started a clothing pantry also. And so that, we know kids come into care sometimes with no clothes or clothes that don't fit or clothes that aren't appropriate for the season. Mm -hmm. And so some of those are used in new, new clothes. Um, so we can provide those to the kids when they first come into care or throughout the year. We also have a food pantry that's available to our families. So when you go from zero to three kids, we can maybe bring you some chicken nuggets and some <laughs> apple juice or something um, to get you through for the next few days and um, throughout the year. And then we have... A pantry full of hygiene products, toys, school supplies. We just want to be a resource to our families. Um, you guys might have heard of statistics about, you know, foster parents only stay foster parents for a year, um, and that's because they don't have the resources that they need sometimes to s support these kids um, and support, you know, the fact that they're doing so much for them. Um, and then we're, we're an advocate. We will be there for all the court dates. We will be the liaison between the state worker and, and the foster parents. Sometimes if you can't reach the right person, we can. Um, and offering trainings throughout the year to support them in, in every way. So. That's great. Now, I know in our email communication, there was a, uh, I'm going to ask this question, there was a discussion about uh, respite care. So, and I spent, I don't know if we had this conversation, probably not when we met, but um, I spent a few years as a hospice chaplain, and so when you when you sent the, the message about respite care, immediately I thought mm -hmm. when I was in hospice, uh, sometimes families were able to bring in loved ones that they were caring for into an inpatient facility uh, for up to seven days so that they can have respite. And so, um, and maybe that, maybe I'm a little bit off with that, but that was my <laughs> understanding of respite. So, can you just share with us? a little bit about respite care, uh, what that's for, what it does, and how that kind of works when it comes to foster care and adoption. Yeah, so our respite parents are fully certified foster parents. They go through the same exact process, same training, and they step in on a more short-term basis rather than caring for our kids around the clock 24-7. Um, and so that might be, you know, foster parents need a date night um, that maybe they haven't had one in a year or family has an emergency. And so these parents can step in and um, care for these kids, you know, for a night or a weekend. And, you know, our respite parents have tremendous impact on these kids' lives too. They, you know, can be that mentor, that extra level of love and support. And so we're really grateful for them. And, um, yeah, they, they're awesome. Good. Thank you. Um, so, so here's a question you mentioned, um, sort of the trauma, um, even in sharing your story, but other children, uh, you mentioned some statistics about the number of children. Um, and, and so I, I, I kind of want the congregation to get a sense of, um, and this, this may be difficult to answer, but we'll t take a <laughs> shot at it. Uh, what what type of children are in most need of foster homes? That's a great question. Um, so definitely teenagers, teenagers, large sibling groups, and children with medical needs. And y'all, teenagers are amazing. They can help you. They um, don't have dirty diapers for you to change. Um, <laughs> and they really just want love and support and um, someone to care for them. And... For large sibling groups, you guys wouldn't believe the amount of referrals we get for sibling groups of four, five, and six. 
Um, and so if you're willing to take two, just throw another one in, and then it's three. Um, <laughs> but Bonus <laughs> child. Yeah. Bonus <laughs> child, yeah. Um, and honestly, the majority of referrals we get are still in groups of three. I don't know how that happens, but um, very, very big need for those. Obviously, we know, like, there's homes that can't accommodate three kids or whatever, but we can be strategic and, and fun with that. Um, and then medically um, fragile children or children with medical needs, those needs range drastically. Um, could be diabetes, spina bifida, um, breathing treatments, you know, whatever the case may be. And those are things that our families can make preferences on. So you could say, oh, well, my home's not wheelchair accessible, but maybe I could care for a child who has diabetes or something. Um, and oftentimes, you know, there's a lot of fear that exists with that. And I don't know how to do that. I'm not equipped. Oftentimes, children's hospital will train our families on the different devices that need to be used um, or the equipment and help that family feel more equipped to care for those children. Yeah, that's good. So, so it sounds like, this is one more, one more question, then we'll uh, wrap it up. Uh, but it sounds like, you know, for someone like myself, and maybe there's someone here this morning um, who, who doesn't know a lot, uh, and I'm just going to go out on a limb, maybe speaking from my experience and those who probably have the same experience or think the same way, um, there, there seems to be sometimes one of the barriers is this fear of not knowing what to do, uh, what to expect, how to care for these kids. And, and it sounds like in everything that you answered that Crossroads does uh, an amazing job in sort of helping eliminate, if not eliminate, erode that fear of getting involved and being a part of children's lives because you have the training, you have the support, uh, you have the on-call, you have respite families. And so it sounds like there's a great uh, village that's supporting uh, the children and the foster families who decide to get involved. And so with that being said, I want to ask you one last question. Um, and, and this is for those who are, who are thinking even beyond Big Give. Um, because while this is something that we're doing because it's a part of our values of generosity, we want to give every year, raise a big offering, and bless ministries that are doing great work. We're also going to be encouraging you, uh, for those who feel called to this, this sort of ministry, that this is not a one-time deal for us. Uh, we, we do want to bless them with money, um, but we also believe in being the hands and feet of Jesus. So remember our vision, build faith, belong to family, and the last part is be the church. Uh, and so there are some of you who may be called to foster care and adoption that God may be tugging on your heartstrings that beyond just giving to it, uh, you can give your life to it. So, so my last question is, how can, how can we get involved? How can people who feel a sense of calling to that get involved in, in uh, this area of ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for tangible items or tangible things, we... Um, it could be just like taking a meal to a foster parent in your community um, once a month or something, or maybe providing the church hosting a date night. So um, loving on the kids and providing childcare for those kids while parents go out for two or three hours and go to dinner and a movie. Or, you know, during that support group that I mentioned, bringing meals for that support group or providing childcare for that support group or other trainings. Um, or it could be, like, for example, this week we had, um, well, oh, six kids emergency place, but we had um, three that came into one of the homes, and they needed two cribs. And so we just had to reach out to the community and say, hey, does anybody have a 
crib that's sitting in their basement that they're not using that our family can have. And so different things like that. Maybe it's calling us and saying, hey, what, what is your biggest need right now? Or having a resource where we could call and they could reach out to a group and, you know, ask, does anybody have something like that? Um, or just, you know, knowing what your gifts are and how you um, believe that you can give back and use your talents. We can partner together and figure out the best way to use those um, for these kids and families. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. I understand that. Uh, I believe we have some information uh, in the lobby and the table there, and so I'm going to encourage you all uh, to visit that table, and, and I understand it's going to be there beyond just this week. Uh, it's going to be out there for you to, to grab some more information, and then, and then maybe if you feel uh, call to this even beyond Big Give. We certainly want you to do, uh, to be praying, asking God what you can do uh, to help us contribute financially to Crossroads. But I'm willing to bet that there are maybe a few of you who are thinking even beyond that. And so I would encourage you to visit that table. And then is it okay if you know that they have the information? They can contact you For sure. if they have any other questions. Um, and so here, here's what I want to do, and we didn't talk about this, but it's okay. Keeps doing that. It's okay. <laughs> they know me by now. Um, I want to, I want to pray for you, and uh, I want to ask your your husband to come up as well, because you're doing a great work. Uh, and any time you're doing a great work, um, you need as many prayers as you can get and support you can get, yeah. uh, just spiritually. And so I, I want you to know that uh, even beyond uh, big give. Uh, and even the work that we do at Christian City, uh, that Tri-Cities Church is here to support you spiritually, to know that we're praying for you and the work that you do. Uh, oftentimes, and those of you who are in the caregiving profession, you know that sometimes we give so much, and it's very rare that we have a chance for somebody to pour into us. And so, because I'm a pastor at heart, and, and you probably have your church, but I'm a pastor, you're here at my church today, so I want to pastor you. Uh, and just pray for you um, and the work that you all are doing at Crossroads. And so um, let, let's just stand. I want to pray for you. Just, yeah, let's come over here. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much um, for Michaela and for Jason. Uh, we thank you, God, for her life, for her witness. Um, for the story that she shared with us, but then also for in that story she shared with us uh, how the church and how Christians surrounded her and helped her uh, to heal, helped her to continue to grow. And then, God, we thank you that, uh, that every test can be transformed into a testimony. And so, God, we thank you for um, the fact that your word is true when you said that all things work together for the good of those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. And so, God, we thank you for the purpose that you have placed on Michaela's life. God, we thank you for how you have anointed her for this task, how you have gifted her for this task, and, God, how you continue to just increase her in, in her courage and her wisdom uh, and even her passion for serving children who share stories similar to hers. So, God, I pray for her and her husband, Jason, God, that you would just uh, watch over them. We know that there are times that she carries a heavy load, that there are maybe uh, stresses that comes with this life and this ministry that none of us know about. And so, God, I pray uh, in the places where uh, she may be weak, 
that you would give her strength. Uh, I pray for the places, God, in their life where they need um, support, God, that you would allow us as a church to be that for them. And then, God, I pray that you would just uh, anoint them both from the top of their head to the sole of their feet to continue, as Paul says, not to be weary in well-doing, but to continue for in due season uh, they will reap a harvest. And so, God, bless them pour back into them for all that they do for children and families. And God, we thank you for them. Wrap them in your loving arms and keep them close to your heart and let her know that she is doing a tremendous job in helping us to live out what you say in your word, that true religion means to take care of orphans. God, we thank you and we love you. And we pray that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God some praise for them. So we want to we want to thank them again. Make sure that you visit the table or on the way out. Just um, tell her how much you appreciate her for coming and sharing with us. If this is uh, your first time with us, this is a part in the service now where we do two things that are important to us as a church. The first of those two things is we take an opportunity to give. The Bible talks about giving of your tithe and your offering. The tithe is ten percent of what God blesses you with. That you give that back, and then the offering is anything. Uh, over and above that and so we take this time in the service to give now if this is not your home church home uh, I don't want you to feel any pressure in any way as a matter of fact this service is our gift to you um, and so unless God places that on your heart don't feel any pressure to give but if this is home for you we expect you to continue to support your local church and, and I say this every week it's not a wallet issue it's a worship issue uh, we can't repay God for what God has done for us, but this is just our way of showing God how much we love him, and it's a practical way to support the work of your local church so that we can continue to preach the gospel. And so if it's home for you, we want you to continue to do that. Second thing that we do in, during this time is we celebrate what was given to us, and that was that God gave us his son Jesus who lived on this earth, who did ministry, he died, uh, and he rose from the dead, and we believe that. And because he did that, we want to celebrate every week. We come together and celebrate the fact that God gave something to us. The Bible says that God so loved the world that his expression of love was that he gave us a gift. And that was his son, Jesus. And so, again, if this is not your church home, I don't want you to feel pressured in any way to take part of this service. No one's here to judge you. If, if that's not uh, what you desire to do, that's fine. But if it's home, we want to offer you the opportunity to come and receive communion. The prayer team uh, is ready. Uh, again, they're here to pray for you. No one's here to judge you. This is just an opportunity. If there's something on your heart that you need prayer for, they're here. There are four uh, stations, two in the front, two in the back. You can give online. You can give in the receptacles on the table, or you can give through the mobile app. Uh, and so you may now come and observe communion and give.
Carpenter, you are the living word, say.